Hello, I'm Helen Perry, your host for the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. We meet here for chats with good people who are running an online profile that powers their work. I ask them how they do it so we can learn and be inspired and feel like we're in this together. No one size fits all, smug six figure social media marketing advice here, just conversations. And this is the last one in season two with the chatty creative geek, Sally Herman. Generally, I think we mustn't forget what our most important job is to do is to serve our existing audience and not always be looking like you're grabbing for new people when there's plenty of people there already. And that's whether you've got a hundred followers or a million. That's still, you know, it's a lot of people queuing up outside your door. Sally's account on Instagram, Getting Stuff Done in Heels, is followed by more than 90,000 people, which means she can earn money from big brands who'd like to get in front of her audience. So she's an influencer and a shopkeeper and a fundraiser. She uses her platform to raise awareness about the stem cell register because her husband, Gav, is in remission from blood cancer. So we chat about that and about gossip sites and trolls and learning to say no and keeping the flames of passion alive in your relationship with Instagram to make you feel like you've known her for years. First, I asked Sally whether she minds being called an influencer. I prefer creative because I've always been a creative. Hairdressing, shuffling rooms around, decorating that. You know, I've always been a creator. Even at school, I loved the creative and the arts. So I definitely prefer creator (laughs) because I do create stuff. So for a while, the Instagram and the hairdressing were running alongside one another. Yeah, absolutely. What what were you posting about? Just, Just normal stuff? Just normal. I didn't really know what to post and I almost needed... I needed a just bloody post-it excuse to post, actually. So I followed some, you know, the accounts where you you get the daily prompts. And that gave me the excuse to show up. Because sometimes I'd think, oh, I don't know what, no one would be interested. I don't know what to post. And I'd just stalk around other people's accounts looking at what they posted and being, oh, that's lovely. And, you know, I, I I can't do that. Why would anyone look at what I'm doing? But actually, after following the accounts and giving you a daily prompt... That got you, got me into the habit of showing up every day and posting whatever I liked. And I really enjoyed that part of it. And then it was like worlds collided, really. Gav was diagnosed with blood cancer. I couldn't any longer work every day in the salon. I needed to be home while he went through treatment, blah, blah, blah. I turned to my phone. I found support in my phone. (laughs) You know, Instagram wasn't just sharing pictures anymore. It's actually sharing lives and support and help and stuff. And and that did actually start taking over. So it was not only solace, but actually it started to become, a, you know, there was gaps in my life. You know, I was looking at my phone while he was having treatment. I was trying to find all the things that we could do to help him, etc. And Instagram was obviously, you know, you flick onto there as a bit of an escape too, to sort of come out of what you're, what you're facing in real life and, you know, scroll through somebody else's life. It's an absolute pleasure, isn't it? It's like watching a film. You can escape. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely got a few accounts that I follow that totally serve that purpose for me. It's like a lady in Byron Bay in Australia that I follow. I mean, I have nothing in common with this amazing surfing woman, but I'm just like, what's she up to? What's she up to today? And you follow for years, actually, people like that. It's kind of incredible, really, what social media will allow us to do. I sort of, I always think of it like um, in the olden days with our grandparents, their social media was chatting over the garden fence to their neighbour wasn't it hanging out the washing and chatting next door 
But the garden fence for us is worldwide now. It's a massive garden fence. And people like looking over yours and they like hearing what you're up to. When did you start to feel like, wow, I've got a thing going here. People are really engaged with what I'm sharing and telling their friends about it. And my follower numbers are growing and something's happening. Was there a moment when that became clear? There was a couple of moments. So the first I think was, well, initially when I set up my account, I was private, didn't really post anything. Then when I started following the daily prompts, I set it to public and I had about six people follow me. So I deleted my account immediately, presuming they would obviously be as murderers. <laughs> Weirdos. <laughs> what are you following me for? So I deleted my account and I was like, look, that's weird. <laughs> Why are we doing that? Anyway, a few months later, I thought, oh, actually, I quite miss it. I like putting photos somewhere other than Facebook, face cloth, I call it. I like I like actually the interaction because of my hairdressing background and my the sociable side of it. I didn't always want to rely on family and friends, you know, in their salon, you have complete strangers walk in and they become your friends too. So I loved Instagram for that. So I read it, I downloaded it again and decided they're not all axe murderers. <laughs> so, there, so that was the first moment and it was about 65 followers or something. And then weirdly, then it just sort of ticked along and you'll, you'll probably laugh, but the next moment, I remember it clearly, we were on holiday in Portugal. I was on 29,000 followers and the, they introduced the swipe up. That was when I realised, wow, people people are clicking on things and doing, you know, before that it really was. And Stories was introduced a couple of years before that, I think, I can't remember. Maybe it was the other way around, I don't even know. But when they introduced the swipe up, and I remember it clearly because it was that 10,000 point you had to be at at that point. And I was on 29, I was thinking, well, <laughs> I missed the notification about the 10. And so when people, they swiped up to, I tested it out with a dress I'd worn on holiday in monsoon or something. And I just linked it. And I didn't know who bought it because there wasn't, I didn't have an affiliate link or anything then. And people were really keen on this dress. And I remember thinking, this is a thing. This is, this is amazing. So that was two moments. (laughs) I'm quite slow on the uptake. And did that, was that then, was the swipe up the point when you were start to, able to start making money out of it yeah yeah Yeah, I got I was approached by a watch company who I think everyone was approached by watch companies and they said would you like a watch and it was a watch I really liked anyway so I said yes and they offered me 75 pounds to put a picture on my grid so I said yeah okay so that was when I realized crikey someone's going to pay me to do something how much of that is your work now, the sponsored posts and things like that. Because you've sell you, I don't know if you still are, but you have sold things in the past in a shop, haven't you? Yeah, I've got an online shop. So I, I thought I, so. Sorry, I didn't know that for a fact. <laughs> no, that's all right. Tell us about I, your online shop, Sally. Well, it's weird, isn't it? I can talk about other people's stuff, but my own, I... <laughs> It's, isn't it what you were always saying? Just yeah, tell what, I stuff. should know. I should See, know that you've got your is, shop because you've mentioned this, it at least three times in the past week. Have you? And and this, dear listener, is why you need to listen to Helen <laughs> and sell your stuff more because not everyone knows. Even if you post every day, they still oh don't know. Oh, my God, know. they still don't know. You have no <laughs> idea how little people know. I know. So. Yeah. Anyway, so tell us about your shop now. <laughs> well, I I love sourcing stuff. I've been going to Ardell Antiques Fair for oh god for the last thirty years probably, and um, it all started when I found some really beautiful grain sack runners, and I thought, oh, if I like them, other people will. So I bought some, only like ten or something, and they sold. So then when I had my website all rejigged, 
it's been rejigged since, but we had an e-commerce bit put on and I sold, um, I'm a jewelry designer as well. I used to have a jewelry design company, uh, business with my, one of my best friends. And, um, the, so the jewelry design bit is still there. So I sell lovely little bits of jewelry, things I think people will like, cause I like them. I tend to now see if I can get them in volume and there's not much. It's never going to be John Lewis. It's just things I like, things what I like. And it's so far it works. So it's, it's not a massive shop. I sell beautiful baskets and I've got some bath mats with, um, two little drawings on in the shape of a bosom and some money goes to charity for that. I sell, uh, my necklace I designed that raises money for blood cancer charity, DKMS. So yeah, there's a few bits in there and I bring bits in at Christmas and stuff. So yeah, I should tell people about it more, but I'm much better at telling everyone about what about everyone else does. Other people's stuff, picking <laughs> up other people. Uh, no, it's lovely though, isn't it? Cause I think there's just, I think there's a shopkeeper in all of us and to be able to use your online audience to inform what you select for the shop and have always- these people to sell to. It's lovely. I think we're our own best customers, aren't we? But as for to answer your question, um, yes, the shop ticks along in the background. When I've got time, I push it more. And when I'm busy with paid collaborations, I let it go a bit quieter because I can't be out packing orders and also filming an advert for Waitrose at the same time. <laughs> but you're, you are consistently uh, dealing with brands and sharing yeah. that kind of content. And you I enjoy was, it? I absolutely love it because, love it. again, going back to hairdressing, I wasn't with the same people. Every, obviously, I had the girls in the salon I worked with, which was brilliant. There's the continuity. But I had a new customer every 45 minutes. So the, the, the creative and the change is what I love. So working with brands, well, one minute it's, you know, an outfit. And the next minute it's something in the house or, you know, I love the creative challenge of working with brands that I like. Obviously, you want to work with brands you don't like and being help, given the creative reins to become their sort of spokesperson through my channel for a bit I find that brilliant and so inspiring creatively I think it's interesting or it was interesting to me anyway what you said at the very beginning of the conversation about maybe having a little bit of awkwardness and reticence about posting on Instagram back in the day because I mean to me and to anybody following you now you seem to be somebody who does it with such ease and I know that so many people tie themselves up in knots about oh should I post this and when should I post this and oh god should I post it today or tomorrow or should it it be a reel or should it be a carousel or I don't know somebody tell me the answers what would you say to someone who is feeling maybe like you used to back then like how do you become Sally now I I'm a bit maverick some people say, I only post at eight o'clock at night or I only post at seven in the morning. I post when I've got time. I sling a post out at two o'clock in the afternoon. It, I literally... God, that I, is living. I know. <laughs> the life on the edge, isn't it? What's I do in the that. afternoon and she's posted? <laughs> I know. I do that now. That if it's, if it's ready, if it's done, it's if ready, that's the time go. you've got, if this is the time you've got to do it. Yeah. And I, I, I really think, and I think probably anyone listening, I go, oh, it's all right for you. You've got 90,000 followers, whatever. But... I I don't I don't, like last night I posted I didn't even use a serious caption I didn't no, not caption hashtag didn't even use you didn't use all thirty never do I think there's an awful lot to be said for not constantly chasing new followers I prefer to nurture the people that are already there occasionally I'll put a post out that I want it to outreach I want that reel to do really well and I want to find new people from it because they're always new customers or you know potentially new 
brand to work with. But generally, I think we mustn't forget what our most important job is to do is to serve our existing audience and not always be looking like you're grabbing for new people when there's plenty of people there already. And that's whether you've got a 100 followers or a million. That's still, you know, it's a lot of people queuing up outside your door. It Don't is. That visualisation thing is so important. Even 20 people is a lot of people. If you tried to get them into your little office or whatever, yeah, or, out, <laughs> or out the front, it's, it's, you know, you haven't got enough chairs for them. Of, it's a lot of cups of tea to make, mate, I tell you. It is. And, it, you know, I think I've probably had my biggest successes. And actually, the thing is that serving your people really well is does have the end result of, of you spreading your net wider because they then go off talking to their mates about you because they love you that much and they love the account that much and so therefore you do grow but yeah that constant state of looking over everybody's shoulder for the next person yeah Yeah, it's not it's not how I like to operate okay but I do think it's important to to realize that you do have to grow because actually if you're standing still what you're doing is dropping back yes because Because, people are disengaging then yeah yeah and and also to answer your question post it you know just post it done is better than empty don't don't no one's going to remember like there's so many times I like this morning a friend posted which reminded me I needed to do something she works in a shop and I needed to order something and she posted oh brilliant that's reminds me I need so you've got to show up you've got to constantly be there to remind people that you are there and what you're selling what you're doing what you're saying you know it's, it's really important to do that so just turn up do it do it and I think as far as stories go that well I do like to chat <laughs> so I, I think you that. might be the first person I ever really watched chatting on Instagram stories actually I remember when it start. I mean I first really seriously came onto Instagram in 2017 so stories wasn't that old then maybe a year old and not a lot of people were using it to talk to their followers in that direct way mm. and for a while I thought what is what is this like yeah. why would I, why would I be listening to this woman in her car having just chatting. dropped the kids at school chatting away and then eventually over time something makes you turn the volume up on somebody and start to actually listen to them and I do remember you being out on walks or, or hiding in your back garden maybe going I can't do stories in front of anybody else yeah so I've come so I've got I've got to come so so you obviously got onto it quite quickly you were like I'm going to chat to everybody it works doesn't it I remember my first story we were on holiday and stories came in and I was like because I don't know whether you know this but I'm a closet weatherman I I want to I really like the weather and I like reporting the weather, especially when it's extreme. Globally, or, or when yeah, you're globally away. would be good, but usually it's just local, you know. Okay, just They sorry. haven't dispatched me off yet. Oh. But um, I do quite like, I, and I always like, I think it's my duty if someone hasn't got a window <laughs> to, to tell them what the weather is. And so my first ever story, we were on holiday and I did a weather report. And that's, that's how I got into stories because I just thought... I don't know whether they want to see, necessarily see what we're doing on holiday, but they might be interested in the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed to work. It seems that they were. <laughs> <laughs> and then dog walks. Well, that's brilliant because I am always yeah. on my own with the dog. So I can, you know, chat. And if, if, a, if a potential other dog walker slash axe murderer should walk past, I just pretend I'm on a business call. <laughs> Very busy and important. High level talks. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. 
Sally, as we as we negotiated a, a suitable time and space to record this, you sent over a few emails saying, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. So I've made a note of the things that you feel you would like to share with the other people who are using Instagram. First of all, trolls or unpleasantness and it just seems to come with having a bigger following is that what's your experience with that kind of thing online well I feel like it's important to to talk about because it's like the great unspoken it's like Voldemort (laughs) and actually the more you put your head above the precipice the more you're going to get trolled <laughs> but I feel like um I'm I am really lucky I don't get I get the odd snippy comment in my dms and I'm always mortified because I think if I've I, I hate to think of it I'm a people pleaser I don't want to offend anyone sometimes I feel I'm so on the fence I've got splinters in my arse <laughs> so if I've actually offended someone I would be mortified um so I would always if if a snippy comment comes in, I do feel it depends how you read that comment. Obviously, if it's a nasty troll comment from a, a an invisible account, you know what you know exactly what you're dealing with, and I wouldn't even respond. I'd just delete it and block that person. But if it's somebody who's cross with you for something you've done, I would always try and well, first of all, I'd usually apologise because if I've offended them, I'm sorry I've offended them. Not all, I'm not necessarily always sorry for what is I said. Is that really how you feel? Does it? it I mean sometimes the very occasionally we'll get some kind of um not even snippy comment it's less than that but I I feel like you a bit hurt but also a bit defensive often like you want to explain what you meant or you know that kind of thing defensive is often my uh, inside my reaction but I'll never let it come out I'll always diffuse it because that person did message wanting an answer and I'm sorry they felt that way after reading my stuff. But, you know, if I'd, I can't think of an explanation. But I, I would always apologise that I'd made them feel like that. And then try and diffuse it. Because no point in making someone crosser than they already are. And then I forget it. And I'm like, right, we're mates. And actually, when you actually start talking to people, if you've got the time, there's usually a really good reason why they felt that way about something you said. And if you get to the bottom of it, you actually end up on a much better level with that person afterwards and I've actually made not I wouldn't say friends because we don't chat now but certainly they leave happier than when they arrived (laughs) and so do I because I've got to the bottom of it but as far as actual trolling goes say you know the trolling websites I was talking to a girl yesterday and she said I don't understand where they're not taken down and I don't know what your views are on this but I think don't take them down they'll only spring up again and everyone's got their their right to an opinion everyone's got their right to say what they want to say my issue is twofold <laughs> first of all I wish Google wouldn't rate them so high because you know they do I've I've had to delete the actual sites from my all my devices because if I Google my website to get to it quickly I don't want to see a tattle thread come up. I haven't read my own threads for over two years. I can run a perfect tattle thread in my head about myself. I don't need to read what else, what old so-and-so down the road thinks because she doesn't know me. So Google is a problem. But also I feel, and I feel quite strongly about this, if, you know, if we were on the same level playing field, we're all completely transparent. We're there standing by our words with our photograph. We're we're accessible, we're attainable, we're honest. If the trolling websites were on the same playing field, I would respect them. But what I don't respect is someone who can do it from behind a keyboard and be invisible. So I would say to that person, 
If you are happy to show your face, show your real name and have everyone around you, your family, your friends, your employer, know what you're saying, fill your boots. If the thought of being unveiled fills you with utter dread that it's your secret, then stop it. And I think that talking about it can sometimes, you would hope, be enough to jolt someone back into reality like what you've just said, because because it happens behind closed doors when you're in bed at night, just on your phone, whatever people do when they are moved to go and write this stuff. And it can feel so secret that it's it's not real. So just by chatting about it and going, oh, this happens. And mm. yeah. are you sure? Yeah. You know, that you, that's... You, are you proud of what you said? Would you put your name to it? And if you wouldn't, yeah. and if you don't want to be found out for the person that's writing it behind the fake name and the avatar then think twice about what you're writing and I think initially when when the when the they weren't trolling websites even they were set up to call out influencers who were being shady and not putting ad and actually I have all respect for that because it can be an echo chamber in Instagram and actually if you're doing something that someone's thinking no that's not how you do that's wrong Instagram police fair play you need to put ad at the front you need to own it you, you know but and I would I would say a, a lot of it's maybe possibly misunderstanding because I know I'm not in it for the freebies. I don't need stuff. I'd in fact I borrow stuff and then I return it to do a shoot. Sometimes if I can possibly return it, I will. I don't need any more stuff. So you know, I'm, I'm, the old days of the old grabby and she's doing it for freebies. That's so long gone. It's- yeah, I do wonder whether because uh, again there was such. I remember there being such a lot of animosity. Uh, um, you know, over uh, influencer marketing um, and that word influencer and people who were doing that kind of marketing weren't comfortable with it. And I do wonder whether that, well, have we moved on a little bit from that where it's just become such a normal part of marketing and the marketing economy that actually there is an acceptance of the fact that people do sponsored posts. And of course, brands are going to want to place their things within, you know, a, a, a platform that will reach a certain kind of people. And is there, do you think there is a, a greater acceptance of it now or definitely yeah good I think I think everyone's moved on I think in the old days you know it would have been magazine editors and you know journalists and stuff and it this has been this sort of marketing has been going on for years but just in the paper form so when it all came online people that didn't know about how it worked on paper then obviously wouldn't know how the whole advertising and marketing thing works anyway and I'm and I'm not saying that no one understands I'm absolutely not saying that but I do feel like there's been definitely a move for more understanding and you know a bit possibly a bit more respect on both sides I think you know we as creators need to respect everybody our audiences never try and be shifty and pull the wool if it's an ad slap it up there it's you know central it's an ad and actually I'm always so proud I was gonna, that's exactly the ads. word I was going to use you should be proud of the work that you're doing and the people that you're working with there's, yeah, there's nothing absolutely. to hide yeah I no, do think I changed. do think we maybe exist in a bubble of grown-up people mm, it's that patronizing I, I sense and when I look at stuff that's going on with the advertising standards authority that there's a lot of maybe younger influencers who aren't following transparency rules quite as well as other people do um this there is room to police it because we should not we everybody should know when something's been paid for and that's the context in which it's being shared um 
but I mean, certainly the people I follow, with, uh, as far as I'm concerned, appear to be utterly transparent about yeah. their their same. And I think there's a lot of respect in the business, you know, when we when people do it properly. And a brand, you know, I always think, you know, if a brand is paying me to for not only my creative but access to my audience. I need to make sure that what I put in front of my audience is something that I think they'll like. Smaller accounts, you know, even the under 10Ks, they have still got the ability to charge, etc. with brands because, you know, it's a lot of people. It's a high engagement that that brand is putting their their brand gets in front of all of those eyes and the engagement on a small account is massively high. So I'd also like to say, you know, if you've got a small account, you've got every bit as much chance of getting a brand deal as a big account and certainly the bigger you get actually the less engagement there is yeah and I would really encourage you know people to know their the worth of their platform and um you know they they, they'll have spent time building it up they've got a really you know engaged group of you know specific type of person that's gold dust to somebody who wants to sell something to that particular type of person (laughs) it's their best way of getting in front of them um which actually brings me on to the next point, which is about your platform, the value of your platform, and people asking you if they can kind of borrow it or jump onto it to share a good cause or share their thing. This is something that happens to you a bit. It's actually something that happens to me a little bit, but I'm going to let you talk first about how you experience that. I think it happens to all of us. Um, I think uh it's really it's the art of it's the art of saying yes at the right time and it's also the really tricky and I find uncomfortable art of saying no how does one of those requests come into you what's that look like okay so it's, it comes in the inbox and it's not always um it's not always shared it's, it's sometimes shared from somebody who says I've seen this can you share it I know you've got a big platform and I would really appreciate if it was shared it's a friend of a friend of a friend something like that and I find it really difficult. The art of saying no gently, I find that, I said earlier, I'm a people pleaser, but I get multiple requests to share good causes. That's generally what I'm asked because of the cancer stuff and the, the awareness that I raise. And sometimes I will if it fits and I've got time. But generally, if I'm asked to share somebody's cause, which is always close to their heart and always hugely important, I can't always do it because... To actually get my audience on side means I would have to spend a lot of time researching their cause. I would have to do stories and captions telling people about their cause. A quick share of a post is like throwing it into space. It's pointless. That's all they're asking for. They're asking for a share, but it's a pointless share. It, it It won't have any traction. And what it does, sadly, is then it neutralizes what I do talk about. And if I shared every single amazing cause I was asked to share, which I always find that I say incredibly hard to say no to, it hurts my heart, I would become a page that just shared everyone's causes and my own cause would massively be diluted. And I feel I ask so much of my audience to support me with blood cancer stuff, to ask them then, oh, can you support this? Can you support that? I can't do it. And it and it's incredibly hard because I know if I had no voice on here and a cause, I probably would want to approach a big account and say, can you share this? Because it's important to me. And of course it is. But sometimes you have to build your own vehicle. <laughs> and it, I, know, I find it's, it so it, hard. 
It is really hard. It, it's, it manifests itself differently and it's probably it's easier for me than it is for you because it doesn't tug on the conscience as, as much. But for me, it will be people generally sort of contacting me, asking if they if I can share something about a course they're running, an event they're running and a, that kind of thing. Like, again, which feels like a slight lack of understanding of what would be involved in really sharing something and yeah. can you share things that you don't know enough about and you You've can't got to do it sta- justice you can't it stand time. by it can I vouch for this do I have any experience of it so I would urge people to understand what they're asking when they're asking that and and mm-hmm. and I suppose appreciate the effort and time that goes into building and maintaining an audience or a platform of your own yeah and I think maybe you know, everybody that asks me is one person. They're asking one person one thing, but I'm being asked a hundred things by a hundred people. And, um, it, it puts, it, it puts me under sort of a pressure that I just desperately want to help, but I can't do it because it would dilute my page so much people would stop listening to me. Oh, I can hear the stress in your voice about it. <laughs> can we talk a little bit about the campaigning aspect of your Instagram? You told us about what happened to Gab. He's well now and at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in remission. But you use your platform to raise awareness, raise money. What have you been up to? I've done loads of stuff, Helen. Oh my God, I've got this death wish, I'll tell you. So um, it's... <laughs> I, <laughs> I did what, what Dicing with the axe murderers on Instagram. It's a miracle. I'm still in. It's a miracle that you're here. (laughs) So, so when Gav was diagnosed seven years ago, blood cancer. All I knew was that my uncle died of blood cancer 25, maybe 30 now years ago, and he died two weeks after diagnosis. So I, I was hardwired, utterly terrified. And this was over Christmas. So his results took three weeks to come. And I was like, we could be dead in three weeks. I know so much more now. I understand that more now. And he went into treatment. So I learned about his treatment. I learned about the difference between immunotherapy and chemotherapy and blah, blah, blah. And while he was in treatment, I had a lot of time. I never go- I don't Google stuff. I'm Dr. Google is nobody's friend. Um, and you're likely to find a load of old stuff from 25 years ago, which say you'll die within two weeks, you know. Google a headache, you're going to be dead within a week, aren't you? So I, I found safe places online and then I discovered DKMS. Anthony Nolan is also another stem cell register. And um, I, I started learning about stem cells and I'd always buried my head in the sand with stem cells. I just thought it was a hideous operation. It's, it may give me the heebie-jeebies, but actually it's not. It's three swabs in your mouth and we're all used to swabbing now, aren't we? And uh, send them back in an envelope and then you're on the register because it's to save the life of a patient with blood cancer, um, if if the criteria fits, um, they can survive via a stem cell transplant. And that to me is magic. That possibly... And sometimes I see you now sharing when a, a, somebody's yeah. told you that a match has come in. That yes. would be amazing. Oh, it makes me cry every time. So, you know, if I needed or if you needed a stem cell transplant as a life-saving option because you have blood cancer, your brother or sister may not be your match. But a complete stranger walking the planet in any country around the world could be your genetic match. And it's nothing to do with blood. It's the cells in, within your blood. So it doesn't matter what blood type you are. In fact, if you're don't, if you're given a stem cell transplant, a hundred days after transplant, your blood will switch to your donor's blood type and you have to have all your baby vaccinations again. <laughs> wow. Makes me go goosebumps, Helen. <laughs> I will put the links in the show notes if you would like to join the stem cell register thank you and learn about what that involves and and how you could do it and if it really is that simple why aren't we all doing it 
It's, uh, and every um, swab, every set of swabs, you get the option. You don't have to pay. It's completely free or you can opt to pay. It's £40 to process. So that's why I do all the stupid things I do, like throw myself out of aeroplanes and down high buildings and stuff to um, raise money so that they can keep processing the swabs. What a brilliant way to be able to use your platform. What do you think, Sally, your Instagram future holds for the business, for your fundraising? How do you, I mean, how do you feel about the platform now? Do you, I'm so happy with I was it. Gonna say, are, you, are you an Insta Mona? Are you like, oh, they keep changing it? No, love it. Reels. Oh my God, I'm so here for changes. I love it. <laughs> they did reels. I'm like, oh, brilliant. Sign me up. What are we doing next? No, I hate it when things stand still. I don't even like it when my lounge is the same for more than a month I like shuffling stuff around so that transfers to all areas of life (laughs) so yeah I love I love reels I know there was a huge big old moment and there's still a place for a static photo because we can enlarge it we can look at it appreciate its beauty but there's room for everything we don't all have to be dancing and lip syncing people really struggle with the changes on Instagram like it's been like it's been done particularly to you know affect their reach what kind of reels do you make because I know that you adopted them and enjoy them and love them <laughs> I I'm I love the magic of a reel so I I can you know simple reels fine but I particularly love stop motion and I, I've learned how to do it that I in fact thinking up the actual concept takes me longer than filming the stop motion now thinking up the concept can take weeks <laughs> but actually filming it yeah, it's just a, a few hours she says like a day but um I, I love creating a bit of magic that someone will stop and watch and go, how'd she do that? And that's There's a lovely, love. um, it depends when you're listening to this, but you did a lovely collaboration reel with some other interiors accounts. What, uh, was that last week or the week yeah. before? If yeah. somebody, if, if you're listening to this kind of uh, in real time-ish, then <laughs> go and have a look on Sally's feed. What that Was that a Christmas campaign? Yeah, it was for Cox and Cox and it was a sort oh, of yes. pass the parcel. So, yes. um, so it went, uh, describe it, it was so cool. Yeah, the concept was simple. We just had to work out transitions. So basically we all had a Cox and Cox uh, brochure and out of the brochure popped something that somebody had given us as in as a Christmas present or as a gift. Mine happened to be a, a lamp and I lit it with some magic lightning coming out my finger. Katie from Come Down to the Witch, she edited it all together. She was in charge of doing the edit. And then I passed the brochure out the side of the screen and somebody else got it and then somebody else got it and then we all had different things pop out the brochure. So it's a visual um, idea of when you're shopping you know, you open a brochure and you want to buy something, but imagine if it popped out the brochure in front of you. So it was really good fun. And in fact, all the props for that were lent and um, returned to Cox and Cox. Oh, good to know. And it is, um, it is the concept. It's the concept that takes the time oh, and then quite gosh. often the filming might be quite yeah. simple. But yeah. the reels I always really share with people is a lady called Dr. Julie Williams and she talks about mental health around really appealing to a younger audience. And she just comes up with this great, way of telling stories visually and that's what you're doing with a reel you're just like a little visual idea that brings something a concept to life and usually it's such a simple I did one for um Jules and and it was um before the Cox and Cox one and it was about um internet shopping and use take shopping their small brands online so I had stuff popping out of the laptop so as if, you know, so instead of coming to the door, it just appeared at the laptop once she clicked by. And um, that that took me weeks to think up. And it was, it was a 15 second reel. You just don't realise, I think. Do you consider long. yourself to be a bit of a whiz with all the tech 
now with the I editing. want to be wizier. There's some Are bits of voice awesome that I want to learn. I'm good at the bits I do, but I've got so many things that I've got a list of stuff I want to learn how to do to make the reels more fun. And they're such simple things that as if you watch it, you most probably wouldn't notice it, but it would make the reel even better and even more like, how did she, how did she, did you see that? I'm going to have to some press pause. So I, I want to be wizier, but I'm a geek, Helen. I'm such a, I'm a closet geek. <laughs> a geek and a creative. That's probably the, the kind of ideal combination. A geeky Instagram. creative. That's a geeky exactly creative. <laughs> what would your word be to an Instagrammer who would like to feel the joy with the platform that you do? I think that's what has come away from the conversation for me. It's like, the enthusiasm is still there. The enjoyment is still there. How do you keep that going? I feel it's so important to just be you. Don't try and do it in someone else's way. Because I can look at my peers and go, oh, she did that really well, especially if we're on the same campaign or we're taking the same sort of photos. You might look at someone and gather inspiration from them, but do it your way. Don't try and be like that person because you're not that person. You're you. You're special as you are. And it's really hard when you're emulating someone to then show your true self. So I'd just be, you know, stuff it. If they don't like it, they won't follow you or they'll unfollow. So you'll, you'll find your, I don't want to say tribe because that's proper cliche, isn't it? But you do sort of attract what you give out. So there's always somebody for somebody, especially on a platform this big. So just be you, just bloody post it and be you. Don't stress about it too much. You can always go back and edit afterwards. Yeah. And it's just, it's all like, as soon as it's gone and it's out there, it's like, okay, what's next? What's next? Yes. It's, just, it's gone. It's done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. You feel that you have some top secret, useful information to share around running competitions on Insta. Do you run a lot of competitions? I do run a few. And I know people have been massively put off them because all these spam accounts and bots spring up and copycat accounts and stuff like that, which is just such a pain in the arse for anyone, you know, running them or even entering them if they don't really know how it all works. And they get a DM in request saying, give me your details, your win sort of thing. So I yeah, I did think we could maybe touch on if anyone's running giveaways, some little bits I've learned along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And giveaways, especially if you've got a little product business or I mean, they, they still can be really effective ways of doing one of those sort of outreach posts that you yes. were talking about. Like, let's find some new followers. Absolutely. Let's, let's just reach out into the Insta universe and see whether whether yeah. I can find some more people like me. Yeah. I mean, if I was running a giveaway of one of my own products on my own page, it would purely be for my followers, you know, that's nurturing them. If I'm doing a giveaway for somebody else, a small business, it's absolutely to send loads of followers over to them because obviously I will have looked at them and gone, oh my God, this is brilliant. Or I've been aware of them for years and gone, you need more, why haven't you got a bigger account? This is brilliant and stuff. You need more customers. So yeah, it's always an outreach um, post when it's for somebody else. And a nice back kick off it is that I would get more followers back, but generally when I'm hosting and somebody it. gets something good somebody gets some, some, someone gets a prize somebody wins something lovely so now so how do you make it work as so best as possible Instagram giveaway content is downranked in a reach and discovery sense but I don't think that matters if if I'm doing a giveaway teamed with you we don't actually need that much more reach and discovery we've got each other's strength behind us to me share to your audience you share to mine and especially since the collaboration button has been in, introduced 
Which... Now that allows you to post the same post on both your accounts and you get kind of double bubble engagement from it it's a really it's actually I've not used it but I would encourage people to do so it's a really cool feature I tested it out last week um on a collaboration I did so I created the post and I requested her as a collaborator because we weren't sure what was going to happen so we were ready to delete it if it all went itself anyway I requested her as I wrote the post and I wrote it as in it wasn't just me writing it because if it was going to go to her grid it would also need to look like she'd written it too so I wrote it sort of generically for it could come from either of us the voice would be both of ours and it did it hopped straight once she accepted me as a collaborator it hopped straight onto her grid so every single comment and entry went automatically in live time to each of our posts on the grid so there was no confusion you could enter on whichever grid post you wanted it was the same one it was brilliant so I'd highly recommend that and um, how do we? But how do you stop it being populated by bots and annoying things? Because that's where this is where you can bring your expertise. So this is how I I never have had a bot since I've done this. I've never had a bot or a scam or a spam thing spring up. Oh. So you go settings, privacy, comments, and then you set your comments to only allow comments from people that. that so if, if I'm doing it, I only allow comments from people I follow, or my followers so that stops random people coming in it also would stop people coming in and entering when clearly the 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 only rule of the competition is that generally you follow both people I have it on there as a safety privacy so only people come that follow me can comment on any of you know if you're going to come to my house you have to be following me if you want to comment on my media you have to be following me and that stops the bot's springing up. Somehow it stops it. And I had a couple of messages from people going, I keep trying to enter. They can send me DM. I keep trying to enter, but it won't let me enter. And I said, I've got my settings. You can you can only enter if you're following us both. Well, obviously she had to set it to that too. But feel free to unfollow afterwards. It's not to trap you in. It's not to like, <laughs> you're stuck with me now. You, Of course, anyone can enter, follow, and it negates all the bots. It stops. It stops all of that. There's a lot that you can do if you're proactive to protect yourself on Instagram from stuff yeah. that is either unhealthy for your mind, not not useful for your account. Yeah. But you have to you have to go and take those actions, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I don't I don't want anyone to think that I'm only allowing people to comment if they follow me. That's not. It's purely it's a safety thing. It was brilliant for giveaways. And it's also, the rule of the competition. It's the it's, rule of the competition. It's the, yeah, it's generally the and it does it saves loads of hassle. And actually the um best comment picker I've ever found is one called W A S K. And it's sometimes if you put I in front of that into Google it comes up and you get one run at it for free. Thank right. Miss Chat Chatterbox. Time to go. Listen, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone. (laughs) Okay, so I just know I'm going to get all the lovely messages about this episode because of Sally's infectious enthusiasm, her openness, her openness to change. I love how she educates herself about tech. There's a lot that we can teach ourselves all the information's out there. But the thing that sort of sticks in my mind from that chat is about being nice. When Sally spoke with like generous understanding, 
of people who write unkind comments to her and about her, my first reaction is, no, bloody hell, you don't have to stand for this. But that kind of righteous indignation is how we've become so polarised online in real life, isn't it? So by talking to people the way Sally does, we find out we have more in common than not, don't we? If you leave favourable reviews about the show on iTunes, it helps people find us. Please do so. Just a short break now to regroup over Christmas, find some new guests, have a think about the show. We'll be back very early in 2022 and there will be some mini podcasts for you between now and then. Thank you once more to Suze, the producer at Story Publishing, for your patience and advice. Thank you, Suze. And thank you for every single listen. I love making this show. Much love to you and yours. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you.